Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. The purpose of the Method to the Madness is get to the real deal in fitness. There's a lot of hacks and disinformation out there. So I like to break it down as to what is real and what you simply should walk away from. Speaking of science. All right. So first, let me thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. Flat out the best real estate agents around. By the way, Realty Pros is number one in Volusia County. So that means they're doing a lot of things right. I know these folks, good people. I will put their information in the show notes. All right. So we're going to talk about protein today. Protein, protein, protein. We hear a lot about protein, but I'm going to get very specific with some numbers today. And I want to talk about how much protein is your dog, or if you're a cat owner, how much protein is your cat or your dog getting? And how are you measuring this? Are you doing a good job of keeping track of this? So I ran some numbers here, and I'm going to give you the uh, different recommendations by different organizations. So if we go by the RDA, essentially, Recommended Daily Allowance of Protein, they're pretty conservative on the low end, and they believe that we should be getting anywhere between, say, 0.6 to 1.0 grams per kilogram of body weight. If you're not sure how to figure that out, divide your body weight by 2.2. All right. So if I'm doing the math on that, my dog Hazel weighs 50 pounds. If I'm being uh, generous, a little bit of the busy bones might have porked her up a little bit, 52, 53, but we'll go with 50. So if I'm using the RDA recommendation, Hazel should be getting between 27 and 46 grams of protein. All right. Then there's just another one that's kind of commonly used among maybe a lot of the bodybuilding circles, the fitness influencers. There's a little bit of science backed in it when you consider that it still ultimately falls in line with what the RDA recommends. But then that recommendation is often one pound per pound of body weight for everybody. So one one gram, I'm sorry, per pound of body weight. So if we're using Hazel again, very simple, 50 pound dog, 50 grams of protein. If we're using me, very simple, Roughly 172 pounds, so 172 grams of protein. Then some experts have come out and said, you know, for a lot of people, it's hard to get that much lean protein because a lot of protein comes with fat. So do they really need a gram per pound, which might be high? Now, there are some people out there, they're not professionals, but they advocate for even two to three times your body weight, which is absolutely insane. So I'm not even going to include them in this somewhat rational discussion. But the more rational will say, well, you know, if you get within 70% of your body weight, so 70 per 100, then you're getting enough protein. So for Hazel, 
that falls in at about 35 grams being 70% of 50 pounds. And for me, that's somewhere around 140. So, I mean, are you getting that? Are your pets getting that? Is your, is your cat getting that? I mean, my cat Pebble, she's, she put on a little weight. Uh, you know, I'm guessing she's about 12, maybe more than that. Uh, you know, so clearly based on these numbers, she needs more protein. So are you measuring that? Are you putting that into your fitness pal to make sure that they're getting this adequate amount? And what if they're natural hunters? Cause that came up last night. Somebody asked me, they said, well, I don't know. I mean, my cat takes in like lizards and eats half of it. I'm not sure if how to measure that. I said, look it up. I mean, you know, my fitness pal or, you know, any of these, uh, diet journals. I mean, there's going to be a half of a lizard in there and we'll tell you like exactly how many grams of protein that is. All right. So hopefully you picked up on by now, put picked up by now that I'm doing a little bit of a parody and hopefully the last part cinched it for you. But in all earnest, I'm going to make sure that you understand. I'm trying to make a very important point, which is when I was cueing these people the other day on this, you know, it was kind of like being silly, but I did want to see their reaction when I asked them how many grams of protein their dogs and cats were getting. And after they like thought I was like basically insane, they uh, finally answered me. They said, you know, they, they seem healthy. They seem fine. The vet has never said anything about this. And, you know, that's ultimately the answer I was pushing people for, because why do we always think we're these superior animals in the animal kingdom that have to do the most insane, crazy measures that other animals in the animal kingdom just simply do not do? Why? It is really kind of weird, isn't it? Like, we're not, you know, there's different types of eaters in the, in the universe. Obviously there's omnivores, right? There's all different types. You know, what are you? Well, a lot of people say, well, I'm a carnivore. It's like, eh, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know that humans necessarily are really designated as that. I'm not going to get into that because that really opens up a whole can of worms, but other than that we're all pretty much the same. You know, our digestive tracts are made to digest certain types of foods. There are some natural vegetarians. There are some natural omnivores, which really humans are more omnivores. We can digest both animal and plant pro uh, products. And then there are, you know, almost pure carnivores, but not completely because even carnivores can eat some vegetation. So in any event, other than that, we're all pretty much the same and we just need to eat as healthy of a diet as nutrient dense of a diet as we can and if we just thought like my friends thought when I was cueing them about the protein for their animals and they said well they seem healthy right I mean, so the point is, is I started this off with giving you three different recommendations by well-respected organizations for the most part, right? 
RDA. Then I went into the sports world and I didn't go into the, you know, crazy people world, but those are pretty well respected, right? I'm not saying perfect, but pretty well respected. And even there, there is different recommendations. Even there, different recommendations, right? So if the experts are not quite sure and they always keep it pretty loose-ended, which I agree with, and they say, well, these are healthy ranges. But ranges and definitive numbers are two different things. And ultimately, I'd argue that even the ranger ranges are pretty uncertain. So what do we do? Now, Michael Pollan, who's written a lot of great books on the earth and on eating and different things. Uh, one of his latest books was something like Your Brain on Plants or something like that. And he really broke down the plants in our universe and what they do. And he got into some of the different drugs that are manufactured from plants and uh, some of the healing properties. It's a very interesting book and he's written many diet books. So he's, he's good. I definitely recommend him. He's a great author, very smart. Um, but he wrote a book prior to this last, oh, The Plant Paradox, that's what it's called, prior to that book. And he was speaking about protein and all the other macronutrients. And look, all these macronutrients are very important. They all have a purpose in our diet. Protein is a repair macronutrient. If we don't have enough protein, we're not going to be repairing our bodies very well. Our body will not repair themselves very well, I should say. How would we know that? Well, you could check your nails. You could check your hair. You might not be recovering very well, very well from your workouts or injuries or surgery. Like That's protein's job. It is not an energy macronutrient, which means unless you're in an extreme starvation mode, protein is not used for energy. And when it is, it's not good because that's called gluconeogenesis, which means you're actually breaking down your muscle fibers to create more protein because you're deficient. So that's that's not good, all right? Deficient in carbohydrates, I should say. Speaking of which, carbohydrates are our main energy macronutrient. They give us energy, meaning without energy, we don't have enough ATP, we are sluggish, we're not moving, it is not good, all right? Fat is another energy macronutrient, and we use that for long-term duration and lower intensity. So in other words, as I'm speaking into this microphone right now, my body pretty much is using fat as the macronutrient for energy because it's low intensity. We always need uh, we always need a, enough carbohydrates and enough fat. They work together. So in other words, you can't even burn fat if you don't have enough carbohydrates. That's referenced in the Krebs cycle. So it's not like you can burn one without the other. You need them both. But at lower ends of the spectrum, we're burning more fat. At higher ends of the spectrum, we're burning more carbohydrates or glucose. That's their jobs. And then the fourth macronutrient is water. And we need that, obviously, to hydrate us, okay? So, yes, we need these things. Do we know exactly how much of what we need 
The answer is no. I mean, we can come up with ranges and sometimes I'll do that just to make sure that a person's diet is fairly balanced, especially when they're coming from one extreme end where they've been told to only eat this or only eat that. But ultimately, we don't know how much macronutrient we need. And obsessively tracking these things kind of turns us into really silly animals. Look, count calories. Yes, I believe in that. I do think that helps. Absolutely. And I heard a guy the other day get interviewed and he's a fitness guy and it was in another podcast. And I thought it was really funny what he said. He goes, yeah, you know, I noticed when I looked at my macronutrients in my fitness tracker that, you know, I was higher in protein and I was higher in carbohydrates. And he says, then I looked and saw, oh, I'm higher in calories. It's like, <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, if, if you eat more, you're going to get more protein. If you eat more, unless you're doing something silly, you're going to get more carbs. So it really still comes back down to calories, right? It comes back to calories. When you take your dog to the vet or your cat to the vet and they say, you know what? Your doggy needs to lose a couple pounds. You know, let's cut back its food amount. Let's cut back its calories. Cut back from a cup of the dry food in the morning to three quarters of a cup because that will cut the calories by 100. They don't say cut its protein down by a half a gram a day. They don't say, oh, you know, cut its carbs back to 50%. No. Now, normal dog food and cat food is made more for carnivores because that's what they are. So inherently, there's going to be more protein and fat in their food mixture than grains. But that's not because they're on a low-carb diet. That's because that's what they eat. So when we start to realize problems think about what they might potentially be and usually it's going to come down to you're not eating enough or you're eating too much if you are working out a lot and you're noticing that you're not recovering from your workouts very well you're sore all the time you're fatigued all the time maybe you're not sleeping very well yeah it's likely you're low on protein but that means you just need to eat more Learn what nutrient-dense foods are. And if you're losing weight or you're trying to maintain weight and you're not maintaining weight or you're tired all the time, you're not performing, you're probably eating too little. Then you're going to want to eat more nutrient-dense, healthy foods, right? Which animals would do if they were out in the wild. But because they're, well, most of them are, right? But because of our domestic pets are not in the wild, a lot of the crap food they're eating is our food, right? Our manufactured foods. But we don't have to do that, right? We don't have to bring the crap into the house. And I'm back to speaking about you and I again. So we should eat more nutrient-dense foods if we are feeling sluggish and all those things. And those are going to be foods that are higher in lean proteins. Not any protein. Not all protein is considered equal. I'm so tired of seeing these advertisements for beef like it's the greatest protein. Oh, you know, it's so high in protein. Yeah, and also it's super high in saturated fats, 
which is going to poison your blood lipid levels and all that. So no, do your research, figure out what lean proteins are. If you are also low in energy, maybe you're low in complex carbohydrates. So more nutrient-dense foods are going to be your wild rices, your potatoes, your vegetables, your fruits. Eat more of those. So really, we get in the trouble when we start eating a lot of crap food. Now, I'll finish up by talking on the, the opposite end of the spectrum. If you need to lose weight, I'm going to make this so simple. Eat less. It's that simple. Eat less calories, not less carbs, not less protein, not less fat. Just eat less. Eat less of the already good foods that you are going to learn to eat. So in other words, we should all be eating as much nutrient-dense foods as possible. All right. Again, higher in lean proteins, higher in complex carbs, low in fat, low in sugar, high in fiber. Ready? High in lean proteins, high complex carbohydrates, high fiber, low fat, low sugar. There you go. That's a nutrient-dense food. If you need to lose weight, eat those foods, but eat less. Don't be counting your protein grams, your carb grams, and all that nonsense. It's not about eating less carbs. It's about eating less, period. All right? Next time you see one of these stupid diet commercials telling you to do this, you know, uh, uh, the ketogenic diet that says, you know, measure your level of ketosis. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, let's let's all put our bodies in ketosis and watch the doctor shake their heads and say, that's not a good place to be in. I can remember when the Atkins diet was real popular and you bought those stupid keto sticks and you could measure your ketosis and it was big and everybody be bragging, I'm in ketosis. Great. You are now totally run out of carbohydrates. So it's probably why you continue to like park in the wrong parking lot every day because you're in brain fog every day. And it's probably why that every time you lose weight, you put it back on because when you're losing weight, you're destroying your muscle tissue, which is exactly what happens when you're in ketosis, when you're on too low carb diet. Because remember, then our body shoots into gluconeogenesis, which means that the, the body is making carbohydrates out of your much needed protein and carb sources in your muscle tissue. So essentially you are eating yourself for energy. I wouldn't brag. It's called stupidity. All right. So if we need to lose weight, we eat less. And then all of those macronutrients will be taken care of if we're eating nutrient-dense balanced meals. If we are losing too much weight and low on energy, eat more. Same thing, nutrient-dense foods, and that way we'll be balanced in calories. Next time, again, you see one of the stupid commercials out there advertising it, think, what did my vet tell me about my dog or my cat? And then repeat to yourself, you're no more special. You're just simply an animal and animals need to eat less to lose weight and eat more to gain weight. All right. Speaking of animals, Jeff and Zach Hawk are workout beasts. And even more important than that, eh, maybe not more important. Equally important, they own Daytona Beach's overhead door company. And Jeff has owned it for over 20 years. And they're by far the best in the absolute 
business. Told this story before, I'm going to tell it again. Nothing beats customer service, right? I mean, you can go out and get another garage door. Sure. You can go out and buy this. You can go out and buy that. But we don't even have an overhead door in my house right now, at my house. Not because of my choice, but when I bought the house five years ago, it wasn't on there. As soon as that baby runs out, trust me, I'm getting an overhead door. But anyway, I was complaining to Zach one day about how it like makes so much noise. It sounds like the entire neighborhood's going to blow up when I raise my garage door. He says, oh, that sounds like roller problems, blah, 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 stuff I don't understand. Before one of his workouts, he drove out in his truck. He parked in the driveway. He came in. He checked everything over. He looked at the motor. He got out the grease. He did all this. Garage door sounds way better. But more importantly than that, I don't even have an overhead door. And he wanted to help me because he believes in what he does. And you just can't beat customer service like that. You just can't. Today's world, that's what it's all about. That's what's going to earn my dollar is people that care about what they're selling and they're going to make good on it. And again, I don't even own one. And he tried to help me out the best he could. So please check them out. Their information will be in the show notes. All right. See you later.